All right, Doug, today I'd like to talk about digital money. We've, we've talked a bit about the Fed coin in the past. There's these cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin that are growing in popularity. Um, what does digital money mean to you and, and, and how, do, how do you think about it? Well, in an advertising piece that I did for my current publisher, well, it's not my current publisher since I sold my remaining interest in Casey Research to um, uh, Porter Stansbury's company. So any event, in something I did for them uh, five years ago, uh, I, I think I coined the word FedCoin because we were talking even then five years ago in this ad piece about uh, digital money. And uh, I coined, at least I think I coined, I'd never heard it before, the term FedCoin, which would be the Federal Reserve's uh, digital currency instead of the Federal Reserve's paper currency, which we all have in our wallets today. So uh, what's going to happen next? Uh, I was just reading an article this morning. I forget who, who put it out, some obscure organization, I think, about uh, how the Chinese are, are colluding with the Mexican drug cartels to launder uh, American cash money. Because of course, when you buy drugs, uh, you don't use your, uh, your MasterCard, you use cash money. And uh, people in the drug business are troubled by having steamer trunks, even rooms full of cash money. Now, what do you do with it? I mean, it's increasingly hard to buy or anything with cash. People are suspicious of it. Banks don't like to take a lot of cash. Uh, and if they do, they have to report it. And who knows where that's gonna wind up. So the whole world is going to digital money. Uh, I haven't been to Sweden for many, many years, but I'm told reliably that everything is done digitally there and nobody uses paper money in Sweden. In China, apparently, they're not using paper money really at all, very, very little. Everybody uses their smartphone to buy and sell. So this is a trend around the world right now and it's gonna happen here in the United States. So I think what we've gotta do is ask ourselves, okay, it's gonna happen here for lots of reasons, uh, mainly because it, it, it really inures to the benefit of the people in the, in the government that control the monetary system. So it's gonna happen. So what do we do about it? I'm not talking about going out and protesting or writing your congressman, something ridiculous like that. I'm talking about what do we do to um, defend ourselves from it or perhaps even take advantage of it. So I guess that's, I guess that's interesting. What's the distinction between like how, how a lot of people I think get confused about this movement toward digital money and like FedCoin and things like that. And they go, well, that's, you know, so it's like Bitcoin. It's like the government has a competitor to Bitcoin, but really, they're really not the same at all. I mean, you know, Bitcoin is something that is outside of the, you know, government control. And what, you know, these governments want is they want, they definitely wouldn't want to, uh, they wouldn't want to give up control over their currency. 
in order to be able to and, and adopt something like Bitcoin. I mean, they, the key for them is really having control over their own currency. So they're, they're fundamentally different and people shouldn't confuse these cryptocurrencies with these digital currencies that the governments are, are advocating. You're right. They're easily confused, but they're totally, totally different. They're like at opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, the federal government's uh, digital currency, which will arrive pretty soon, and Bitcoin. Uh, we should actually, at this point, even talk about Bitcoin as a speculation or as an alternative currency before we get into Fedcoin, perhaps, because we talked privately yesterday, and the arguments that you made uh, for Bitcoin uh, going much higher, I thought were rather compelling. Do you, do you want to run, run down them? Sure. sure. You know, you're much more digitally uh, competent than I am. Uh, I am, but you know, I came to the same conclusion about Bitcoin that you did, but only about, you know, maybe seven or eight months, maybe, maybe 10 months before you did. And, and that is that I didn't get people, were, I didn't imagine ever buying coffee with my Bitcoin. Um, you know, the transaction fees were so high. I, I didn't see it as a transactional element. So I didn't really get its underlying utility. But then what I saw in late 2016 was that I, I noticed a headline that said that most of the, and it was, a it was a critical headline that said that most of the Bitcoin transactions were actually happening in China. Now, I knew from something that I'd read uh, a few months before that, that China instituted more currency controls. Uh, so, so, so to me, the idea that there was enormous amounts of activity of Bitcoin, you know, initiating from China made perfect sense when in an environment where China had instituted more currency or more capital controls. So for me, it was obvious then that this was a way for people to be able to transfer value across borders. And like, so it's a rich, it's a, like fundamentally I go, so this is a thing that rich people can use to move money um, around, you know, despite government restrictions. Uh, like I get that, that's valuable. So, so I saw, so, so that's when I, that's in 20, you know, late 2016, where I started buying Bitcoin more and, you know, whatever in 2017, you know, you got, you, you, it clicked for you, the differences in it. And, you know, you were talking about buying some and it had that huge sort of blow off top in 2017, you know, where it went up, up to basically where it is now, nearly $20,000. So, so um, the reason why I think like, I'm a big believer in Bitcoin personally and, and, you know, we did talk about this about five or six weeks ago, too, when Bitcoin is about half the price it is today. Um, in one of these episodes, we talked about it, encouraged people to buy it. But even here at this price, the thing that's interesting about it is that it has, if I've always believed that gold is money, and the conclusion that I've come to, you know, starting in, in late 2016 is that Bitcoin is also money. And, you know, you articulated the specific things, uh, Aristotle's ways of you know, determining what good money was. And we went through that in a prior episode, all five of these elements. And I think it's debatable. It's certainly, I think there's a reasonable point to be made that Bitcoin actually serves uh, the, you know, as money even better than gold does. And that there's a reasonable possibility that uh, Bitcoin ultimately replaces gold as the primary means of storing value and you know, just uh, of, of the primary means of actual money. That's, so that's my kind of thought on it. And there's only you know, 22 million or 21 million that'll ever be produced. There's only 900 that are mined each day today. The current demand among a couple of larger funds exceeds that 900 new supply every day right now. So there's really not much room. There's really, there's really, 
there isn't enough supply. The supply is dramatically constrained and that's what's been driving the price up. And that's what will continue to drive the price up, I think from here. Yeah, good argument. I mean, institutions are apparently starting to buy it both because it's useful for them and it's a good speculative medium. They can see the trend is in motion and uh, who knows, maybe uh, we'll see it at $250,000 a coin within the next couple of years. It's reasonable when you compare the value of available Bitcoins to the value of all the paper currencies in the world and all the gold in the world and the fact that more and more people are starting to use Bitcoin. And as governments uh, do more stupid things, including put on foreign exchange controls, which I expect the US government and a lot of other governments to do in the next few years, as the monetary situation gets out of control, yeah, people are gonna panic into Bitcoin because it can go anywhere. It can go anywhere with you. Which, which it's much harder for the, to do that with gold, obviously. Right, exactly. And one of the things, Citibank, Citibank, so all these big institutions have come out recently and are, you know, now are getting more and more behind it. You know, and they always, they poo-pooed it for years. Like they only said nasty things about Bitcoin forever. Um, much like they've said that about gold, in fact, for years too, they, they kind of poo-pooed gold. So, but you had Citibank came out and I, and they said by the end of 2021, they put a price target on Bitcoin of 320,000. Now that seems outrageous. I mean, outrageous, uh, but it's not beyond the realms of possibility, given there's these trillions of currency units out there and looking for a home someplace with some speculative upside. And anyway, I own some and I, I bought more as it went down last week a little bit. I bought a little more when it got hit over Thanksgiving. And I think it's a good idea to have it as a speculation. Exactly. And I, and actually, I just bought a whole bunch today. All right. Like I paid 19400 or something like that. I got a check. And... Uh, Actually, I bought. Yeah, so I'm. I'm. I've got to say that I'm a believer. I wish I'd. Wish I'd thought about it back at you know, when it was, when I was first introduced to it at thirteen dollars. But uh, oh well, you can't. Yeah. yeah. You can't win them all, Doug. There's a new train leaving the station every day, so you know. Who knows what the next one we'll get onto is? Hopefully, they won't come out with Bitcoin 2.0, which will make everybody want to dump Bitcoin 1.0, but uh, not right now. Yeah, I think I think that risk is relatively low simply because, and not to say over t over enough time period, it is the, the risk becomes pretty high, I think. But over the foreseeable time frame, I think that risk is very low, mostly because, you know, even the reason, the reason you haven't seen like half of the, all the market cap of all of the cryptocurrencies, a little more than half is all in Bitcoin. And there are, thousands of these other little cryptocurrencies. So why isn't, you know, the, the, there's just a lot of inertia. Once people start to adopt a, um, a new form of money, that it's difficult to be able to change people's minds about it. I mean, think about it. The fact that people are still using the dollar, even though the dollar has been debased, you know, I don't know, 99% over the last however many years, it's uh, people are still using it. So there's a lot of like, there's a Lindy effect there, I guess, where you, you kind of stick with something for a long time. Yeah. There is, and perhaps this is one reason because the federal government controls the money supply. And I've long argument, argued that the government shouldn't control the money supply any more than they should control the supply of cars or the supply of wheat or the supply of shoes. 
but uh, you know that's that, that's kind of an academic point because that's not going to happen anytime soon because of how indoctrinated people are. But when FedCoin comes out, people will tend to trust it, and the government will promote its advantages. The fact that you know everything you can do everything now on your iPhone and work directly with the Fed maybe and cut out the banks somehow. Uh, so the Fed coin is going to be next, but it's going to be a catastrophe for the average person because cash is wonderful because nobody knows you have it. Nobody knows what you're buying or selling if you use C notes. But if you use the government's uh, equivalent of cash, Fed coin, let's call it their digital currency, they'll know absolutely everything you're buying and selling and how much you have. And since it all goes through your smartphone, they'll be able to effectively block your account or of course they'll talk about how easy it'll be to have your uh, stimulus payment put directly into your account, but it works two ways. So it's, it's something to be avoided at all costs when they come out with it. And how, how do you imagine it gets introduced and they get early adoption. It just seems like that that initial hump of getting it out there and getting people to start to use it will be the will be the hard thing. You know, how do you think they do that? Well, I guess they're going to try to discourage people using credit cards. And I understand that in China, for instance, it's increasingly hard to use credit cards because everybody is using their smartphone and and uh, the digital yuan. So how will, how will they actually get people to do it? It seems to me that, they, you know, that they could, by, you know, offering people an incentive, you know, like if the, their next stimulus payment, the only way to get it is if it comes through this new mechanism, you know? Yes, I'm afraid stimulus payments are going to be with us for quite some time, maybe indefinitely in the form of an annual guaranteed income, which they've been talking about. So uh, you could imagine, yeah, we'll get people used to it. If, if they just made it so that all government benefits had to be received in this way, then you get a huge swath of the population, social security recipients, um, you know, whatever. I mean, they, you know, if they could, if they could, if they, if they did it so that government transfer payments essentially were delivered that way, that would be, that would force adoption of a huge number of people. And all they have to do is credit is connected to the credit card system. And for a user, it wouldn't be fundamentally different. You know what exactly. I mean? And, and if they give all Americans a thousand dollars or something like that, well, they just gave all Americans $1,200. Right. Not all Americans. I didn't get mine. I don't know about you, Doug. I didn't I got isn't that interesting? I got I got twelve hundred dollars. Did you really? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I, I was shocked. <laughs> I didn't get it. Oh well, shame on you. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so the next time they do that, and they'll say, "Well, we can only for reasons send it to your FedCoin account on your smartphone." Everybody's got a smartphone. Uh, you know that'll induce everybody to start using it. So yeah, they'll make it happen. One way or another, there's lots of ways they can induce people to use it. And it seems like, you know, they after the system. And, and, and of course, they'll make the argument that A, all drugs are done with cash. We don't want people buying and selling drugs. And of course, people will still be, they'll be able to get around that by disguising the payment of drugs as something else, God knows what. But when 
when the person selling the drugs uh, is taking his Fed coin in, he's going to have to, you know, it'll show up as income. So he's going to wind up paying taxes on it, even if he can beat the, the drug charge. So they'll like it for that reason, not the drug mm -hmm. guys. And um, now this is really serious. It's, it, it's going to augment the power of the state tremendously. It really will, because if nothing else, I mean, the, uh, the data, like if you think of this, if you think of the data that's produced by this, um, and, you know, and I mean, I think the economists and the, you know, at the Fed, these PhDs smarter than everyone else in the world, people, or at least that's what they think, you know, probably think that if they had all this purchasing data and, you know, the, all, all this access is real time economic data, that they could better fine tune things, you know, that they could really, really, um, really make things work so we would never have any, you know, boom bust cycle. It would all just be, you know, wealth for everybody. We just get better and better every day. They really do like to pretend that the economy is like a factory where they can push switches and pull levers <clears throat> to make everything happen the way it does in a factory, even though it's actually a rainforest, which if you interfere with it, you'll wind up destroying all kinds of things. But they yeah. don't understand that. I love that metaphor. That's such a good metaphor. But, they, but so what? So, so I think one of the things that people, um, to, to me, the the when you first brought up the Fed coin years ago, I was I didn't under, I didn't get it. Just like the same way, maybe you, you didn't or we didn't understand Bitcoin at first. When you brought up Fed coin, I, I didn't really understand why they would really do that. What are the advantages of that versus really they have a digital dollar today? I mean, most dollars are actual digital. Sure, there's real paper currency out there, but for the most part, it's most things are digital. So what's the advantage of going to the Fed coin? And then this clicked for me, I don't know, at some point, I guess, at the beginning of this year, where it allow, it would allow them to control interest rates and money supply and, you know, the, these things that they're trying to do through these ham-fisted, you know, interest rate, overnight interest rate adjustments, essentially. You're able to control everything because now if you want to buy something and you use cash, you do it. But if you have to use Fed coin and what you're buying is on a prescribed list, <clears throat> whether it's um, <clears throat> a car that uses too much fuel or anything that they don't like, your FedCoin transaction won't clear and you can't get what you want, mm. either to buy or sell. And this is really, really a, a great leap forward from their point of view, as, as Mao would have said. And, and it's definitely coming. So the question is, what are we what do we do to avoid it? <clears throat> and um, one thing is that, well, maybe you want to live in a, uh, a more backward country where they're still using cash, okay? So once again, an argument for having a crib outside the US, pick your country, other country uh, carefully, but that's one way to do it. Uh, and I, I would say, Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, and I would say buy gold, because I'm not so sure that uh, world governments are going to use Bitcoin. I, I think governments will still want to stick with something like something tangible, like gold, as opposed to electronic, like Bitcoin. Yeah, it's quite, it's, I mean, it makes sense. And I mean, if even if they supplement their gold reserves with Bitcoin, there's just hard to imagine them abandoning, you know, the gold, which has been the, the basis for these central bank banks for so long. Yeah, exactly. Especially if, 
you know, this is one of the few problems I can think of with Bitcoin. If, if the world really gets hairy and we enter upon World War III, one of the things that's going to happen in World War III is a tax on the infrastructure of various countries. And if the infrastructure is attacked, that's going to compromise Bitcoin, at least for some period of time. Well, it is, it is, a, it is a decentralized le- uh, ledger. So there are essentially real-time backups of it all over the, all over the world. So it is, it is harder to kill in that regard than would be, you know, uh, you know, taking out, uh, you know, uh, JP Morgan's, uh, you know, infrastructure, you know, I mean, that sure, would... but, if, but if the electric grid goes down through a number of types of attack, well, you're not going to be able to transfer your Bitcoin, at least until the grid goes back up. That's true. No doubt about that. Yeah. And there... This is a... last time these conversations always tend to wind up <laughs> rather, rather, rather gloomy, but uh, it's just the world we live in uh, right now. It is the world we live in. And I wonder, you know, and I, I, when I was talking to my girlfriend about like what you do and, you know, the first thing you said was, you know, being in a place maybe where, you know, that's not maybe as technologically advanced that's in, uh, you know, that where they still use cash actively. And that's what I was telling her. I said, I just like to roll back the clock somewhere, you know, 25 years. So, and there certainly are places in the world where they live more like we lived 25 years ago. I mean, there's some, you know, there's some modern pieces of it too, but where the, the uh, supply chains are not, you know, optimized for total global efficiency, you know, and, you know, places like in Argentina or Uruguay or, you know, maybe Colombia or other, other places like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's correct. And those are good places to, uh, to go, so. And you're going, on, you're going next week, in fact. Well, I'm going next week. I can't wait to get there, quite frankly. I mean, uh, in, in Uruguay, yeah, well, at least where I am, masks aren't an element, but um, the, the government just isn't as capable of controlling things as the US government is. I mean, the U.S. government is capable of controlling, or at least tries to control everything everywhere. The Uruguayan government isn't used to that, and they don't know how to do it, and they're not very good at it. Mm. So from that point of view, it's, 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 it's pretty mellow. Well, it seems to me that the more, the more an economy is um, you know, technologically advanced, the more digital things are, the, the more easy everything is to control. It's just because it's, uh, you know, if you could, you can control things through automation rather than having to have a, you know, a policeman on the corner, essentially, that's monitoring, comes yeah. in and going. You can have cameras everywhere and you hook them up to artificial intelligence systems that can read who it is and so forth. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And so one of, anyway, I just what I want to have one thing, this is definitely kind of dystopian, but tie this to the, the idea of FedCoin and having all of your transactions monitored is that, you know, I sent you uh, this morning, a CNN article, which, which uh, talked about, um, you know, this, the immunization card that would come along with your COVID immunization. And, um, and you said, well, you're waiting for your chip, you know, you're waiting for a chip. Ultimately a chip is what's coming, it seems, because they will want it to be digital. But um, and they'll, they'll want it to be with you at all times, and you can't fiddle with a underskin chip the way you can with a card. It's much harder. Right. That's on the way. 
So I think but it'll, it'll start off being though, before it gets, uh, you know, we get to the transhumanism stuff, it'll be in your smartphone, just like the Fed coin will. So, and then right. the, the location of you and your money and uh, in your health issues, essentially will be tied to the Fed coin. So if you, you know, if, imagine if you think that, you know, your lifestyle is not great, they should, they could disallow the purchase of McDonald's because, you know, you're already diabetic and it's too risky you know, for a catching thing. So like connecting these two things really scares me. And I don't know if you noticed, but the, that, that article, the statement um, was from, it was about these, uh, these, these uh, vaccination cards were coming from the DOD. It was the department of defense. The first line in there is from the department of defense. Wow. Well, there is a bright side to the U S government going totally and completely bankrupt. It's maybe they won't be able to afford some of these things. But then again, since the prime directive of absolutely every living entity, including governments, is to survive, they'll survive at any cost to anybody else. So I, I, I guess it's wishful thinking on my part that their pending bankruptcy will <laughs> chill them down. Yeah, I don't think so. Probably redouble their efforts because they'll, they'll have to, to survive. Yeah, it's pretty, it's a pretty, you know, uh, on the bright side, you know, we've talked about the fact that technology, other types of technology are advancing. And, uh, you know, the bad guys always get technology first. The government always gets it first. They got gunpowder first, but then gunpowder overthrew the old order and the peasant could take down the armored knight and same with computers. They got them first, mega computers, and now everybody's got one. So it's kind of like an arms race between the uh, common guy that wants freedom and liberty, although we've discussed the fact that relatively few of the common guy really do want it. So, uh, back to a dystopian. <laughs> <laughs> there's, no, there's no way out. It's funny. You just got to, you know, be amused by it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Right? Red coin's coming, so I, I, anything else that, that we should do to? Uh... No, I think the core thing is that you you know you've got a set of predictions, and we've uh, in the description to this video and in all of them, there's a there's a link where you can sign up and get this report that we put together that has your predictions for the 2020s, and it also has some you know some recommendations about about the way financially to play it with some specific gold stocks that you like. And what those gold stocks are up. I haven't checked the prices that we put them in there at. Uh, but I bet they're up. I bet they're up since then. I agree. I agree. Cause they were, you know, so, uh, so, so you can get that report. And one of the major, you know, we're adding to these predictions that are there and the fed coin one is one of these core predictions. And I just want to make sure I would clarify it properly. Like you believe that in the 2020s that the fed coin will, or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, a fed coin will be released and it will, well, do you think it will replace altogether the dollar? Or do you think it'll just be instituted alongside of it? Will it become the predominant currency in, in America? What, what are your thoughts? It'll start, they'll try to replace the paper dollar with the Fed coin, and it'll be a gradual process. And the $100 bill will be the first to go. And maybe they'll still keep 20s, certainly 10s and 5s, just because they're so trivial. It doesn't make any difference yeah, for convenience of the little people. Mm. So, uh, yeah. That's definitely, it's going to happen. If we have this conversation 10 years from now, 
it'll be hard to find some paper money or a meaningful amount of paper money for anything other than buying a candy bar, which by then will cost $5 anyway. At least, no doubt about it. All right, well, good. Well, that's the prediction. And if you can get the other predictions uh, by following the link in the description below and uh, tomorrow we'll be back for a Q&A. All right, thanks, Doug.